listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. How's everybody doing this morning? Come on, let's let's get a little little energy going in the room, all right? Like this is this is a this is an exciting time to be a part of Freedom Church, okay? And and I know that God is doing so much not only within our church but each of us individually. And so, with that being said, I have a question for you this morning. What are you planted in? What are you planted in? See, because there are different things in life that we can be planted in. We can be planted in the Lord, where the Lord is our source and everything we go. We can be planted in trauma, right? We can be planted in things that have happened that we've used these things to define our life and where we go and everywhere we go, we, we see this pattern repeat itself because that trauma defines our life. We could be planted in addiction. We could be planted in so many things. And I want to tell you a story that gave me two roads to go down. To, and I could have been planted in, in one direction, but thank the Lord I'm planted in a different one. And so I want to tell you a story that could have defined my life. And honestly, for a long time, it really did. It did define my life. And sometimes the enemy still tries to provoke me with an orphan spirit about it. He still tries to say, well, you know, this is still true in your life, but it's not. Because the Lord has set me free, and I'm in Him, and He's renewed my mind. And so, so this is what God wants for you, but it starts with asking the question, where are you planted? So 21 years ago, yesterday, March 4th, 21 years ago, my dad passed away. It was suddenly, it was unexpected, and for a long time, I was really wrapped up into this, because I remember... In this moment, we were hanging out, we were watching uh, David Copperfield, because my dad loved magic, and so we were, watching, we were watching David Copperfield that night, it was time to go to bed, and he had been in, like doing some insulation work that day, and so he, he was like about to take a shower, but before he did, he was like, hey, Tony, can you pass me my, my medication off my nightstand? And so I picked it up, I gave it to him, and... He took the medication, and he started having an adverse reaction to the medication he took. For a long time, I was told it was, a, uh, it was an allergic reaction, come to find out, you know, like two years ago, um, into him having passed. It was actually an overdose. Um, and for a long time, what the, how the enemy would play with me is he was like, you handed your dad that pill bottle, you killed your father. Wow. Right? Because that's what the enemy does. He takes 100% truth, puts 2% lie there, and then it changes our whole perspective on an actual situation. Because that's what, that's, that is who the enemy is. He's the author of confusion. And so I remember laying in my bed that night because my, he, he woke up my mom. My mom called 911, and my mom was like, Tony, I, I, you don't need to be in the way. Go to your room. Lay down in your bed. So I, I'm in my bed, laying in my bed, and the way our house was set up was my bedroom had a window in it that was uh, right in front of our driveway. So I could see any traffic going by, um, and it was night. And so as we waited on the ambulance, I counted the ambulance passing our house six or seven times. 
And then finally the ambulance gets there. They take my dad off. My, my dad, my mom, and my older sister are gone. And it's me at eight years old left with my five-year-old brother in my bed. And I remember sitting there just praying and saying, God, please don't take my daddy. Please don't take my daddy. Right? Have you ever been in a situation where you're so desperate that you, like, there's no eloquence, there's no, like, you're, you're just getting to the raw, real truth of the matter. And that's what I was doing. I was getting to the raw, real truth. Please, God, don't take my daddy. And in that moment, I felt the overwhelming presence of Jesus himself come in and wrap me up and say, son, I've got this. Son, I've got this. And in that moment, I just remember in that peace falling asleep. And then the next morning, I woke up to find out that my dad had passed. But that situation, I had two options. I could either remember that Jesus said, son, I've got this. Or I could be mad at God because I prayed, God, don't take my daddy. And the enemy could have come in and said, he said, son, I've got this. But he didn't have that. And that's what the enemy does. He brings frustration in where God has already made a way for you. But the enemy confuses what that pathway looks like and where you're going and if you're not rooted in Christ, if you're not rooted in him, how quickly can we go astray from the plans and purposes that he has for us? Yeah. Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says this about being rooted in, rooted in God. It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. This is who God desires you to be. But in order to do that, you have to be rooted in him. You have to trust him. You have to have confidence in him. Not confidence in your skill. Not confidence in you making a way. Not confidence in you figuring it out. But confidence <coughs> enough to say, everything's hitting the fan. Let me take a step back and wait on him and seek his direction. You know what? This is a big enough decision. I'm going to fast about this. This is a big enough decision that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself in some uncomfortable situations to wait on him until there's breakthrough. Yeah. See, we all long for breakthrough, but are you willing to pave the road for breakthrough to actually happen? Are we willing to pave the road for breakthrough to actually happen? So we know being rooted means to trust in the Lord, and the Lord is our, our to trust in the Lord and our confidence is in Him. To be rooted, we need to trust and have confidence in God. So what what is trust? Trust is assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. Do you have assured reliance on the character, ability, and strength, or truth of who God is? Do you have that reliance? When you encounter God, you know that you're encountering the God that has all power and authority in all of the universe that can make a way for you as long as you're submitted to his will 
And you're, you're doing your best to walk in what he wants you to walk in. Or are you the person that says, God, I know you can make a way, but just let me hustle a little bit. Just let me grind it out a little bit. God, I really like this depression emotion because this depression helps define me. So I'm going to hold on to this for a little bit. And God's like, yo, if, if you just give that to me, everything would be so much better. I've made, I made probably the biggest decision of my life this past Friday. And I walked away not knowing several things, but walking in the peace of who God has made me to be. And your purpose will follow his peace. Your purpose will always follow his peace, but stop putting your purpose in front of peace. We've got to stop putting such an emphasis of, God, I've got to do this, or God, I've got to do this. He's spoken that to you, but if his presence isn't going with your purpose, it's not going to work out. Maybe the reason you're fighting the battles you're fighting right now is because your trust is more so in your purpose than his presence. Put trust back where it belongs into his presence and make his presence the thing you follow. We saw this with Moses. We saw this with Moses. If your presence doesn't go, I don't want to go. If your presence doesn't go, I don't want it. Are you in a place where you have the reliance on the character of God? Do you know his ability, his strength, or his truth? How many of you in here needed a financial breakthrough, prayed for God to do it, and he did it? Raise your hand. How many of you in here needed a healing breakthrough for you or a family member? Or you or somebody? (laughs) Sorry, Siri's saying amen. Um, You or somebody that you knew and you prayed and God brought healing. Raise your hand. How, if God has ever done anything for you ever, raise your hand. Okay, so that means you have a testimony and a truth to rely upon that when he calls you to the next step, no matter what accusation the enemy brings, you can say, this is who my God is. And you can have the confidence because he came through in this situation to know he's going to come through in this situation. But what we do is, We look at the situation and go, okay, so this could go wrong and this could go wrong and this isn't right about it. And we get anxious and worried because that's what the enemy likes to do to us. He likes to get us anxious and worried. So we stay stationary because uh, I recently saw a movie uh, called Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, right? I'm a huge Marvel guy. I love those movies. Um, like DC better, but anyways. Um, so, so <laughs> listen, I'm, that's a hill I will die on all day long. Um, but, but so in the movie, they're, they're at the, the climax, you know, Ant-Man and, and I don't want to spoil anything, but the main bad guy are like fighting and he, he, Ant-Man says a line to this guy. He says, I don't have to win. I just have to make you lose. That's the enemy's plan for you. He doesn't have to win. He just has to make you lose. 
And so he will do everything he can to make you stationary. Because when you're stationary, you're not moving towards God, which means you're moving away from him. Because God is always moving in the direction of his kingdom, in the direction of his purpose, in the direction of his plan. And you're either moving with him or you're stationary and moving away from him. Sitting on the fence, guess what? The fence is Satan's. It's not choosing one side or the other, like where you're on the fence waiting. No, the, f- the fence is Satan's too. So we have to choose to be on God's side. That's right. We have to trust in what his word says. We have to trust in who he is. In order to have the confidence to trust God, you have to know his truth. So what is his truth? His truth is very simple. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through him. How many of you have tried to talk with God without acknowledging Jesus? Try to talk with God without saying, Jesus, I got to get right with you. Trust and confidence is built upon the understanding you have of Jesus. Do you understand the sacrifice he made? Do you understand the cross? Do you understand these things? Because if you don't understand the cross, you're not going to fully understand repentance. And if we don't fully understand repentance, we're not going to fully understand how to walk out our lives on this earth. See, if our understanding is limited, our trust will be limited as well. God is trying to get us to a place where we understand so we can trust in him. Have you ever been like, God, I really trust in you. I do. I don't understand why you're not speaking to me. It's because you do trust in him, but you trust in the limited knowledge that you have of him. Instead of having a deep understanding of who he is and how he works and how he does things. And so you're trying to understand the fullness of God on a limited scope. We have, to, we have to do some stuff about this. And, I, and as I was reading and studying, I feel like this is the perfect thing. This is where God led me to in this, for this message. So let's look at the parable of the sower, Matthew 13, 3 through 9. And it says, And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as, as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but the sun arose and they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Apparently the disciples did not have ears, because later they're like, Jesus, what does this stuff mean? Right? How, how many of you have been there where, where everybody's like, amen, and you're sitting there like, uh, yeah, amen. Can somebody explain this to me, please? Like, right? Like, we've all been in a situation where it's like some people are talking about stuff, and you're like, I really wish I could understand what you're saying. So let's look at the explanation from Jesus, Mark 6, 14 through 20. <clears throat> the sower sow, sows the word, and these are the ones... And, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And these are the ones that are sown on the rocky ground, that, 
that the ones, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. And, uh, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And, and others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke out the word. And it proves unfruitful. But those who are sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. I'm at a place, and I don't know about you, but I want to be the one that bears fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. I want to see every aspect of my life blessed. But in order to do that, I've got to deal with my soil. I've got to deal with some stuff in me. So how can we make sure that we're rooted in God? How can we make sure that our soil is prepared for God to do the good works that according to Ephesians 2.10 that he placed in us for us to walk out? How can we do that? Well, number one, you've got to repent. It's, it all starts at repentance. And listen, I'm not trying to go 1950s evangelists on you. you repent or burn. Like, that's, that's not what I'm trying to get at here, okay? This is not a turn or burn message, all right? I'm not trying to beat you over the head with, with the Bible on a broomstick here. What I'm trying... <laughs> Deborah wants me to get fiery. Um, what I am trying to do is to get you to understand that all, like, what, what we think about repentance, and I, I think sometimes we can think of it as a dangerous word or a scary word, and it's not. This is a graceful word. This is a word cloaked in grace because it's our opportunity to turn away from the thing that was meant to destroy us. That's what God's calling you to. He's calling you to turn away from the death and destruction that the enemy's placed in front of you. The thing that was meant to keep you stationary. It's not the thing to help the enemy win. It's just the thing to help you lose. See, this is the turning away from something. That's literally what repentance means. It's like, I'm going to turn away from that and go this way. Like, so, so we got to turn away from things. And remember, you can apologize to God and you can repent, but they are not the same. So take a quick inventory. Are you apologizing or repenting? Are you apologizing or repenting? Because apology says, I'm sorry I did that and I'm going to try my best not to do that again. How many husbands in here, when, when your wife comes in and your dirty clothes are like on the floor next to the laundry basket? What? Right? And you're like, I'm going to, babe, I'm so sorry. I'm going to do my best not to do that again. Knowing full well the clothes you have on are going right there. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a system. If, if the jeans are halfway in the basket, you might still wear them. I don't know. But, um, Right? But that's not actually fixing the problem. That's just calming their minds so you can still get away with what makes you comfortable. See, repentance is, God, forgive me and help me to have the strength to continue to walk away from this no matter how great the temptation is. God, forgive me for choosing this over you. Because that's what I did. I made a false God out of this issue, out of this thing. Forgive me for my idolatry. Mm, 
Forgive me for walking away from your presence. That's repentance. It's understanding the decision you actually made. To make sure that the seeds of God get planted, we have to accept Christ to uncover the soil. See, the issue is, is the enemy, what he's done is he's let all the, the weeds and things of life cover up where God can actually put the seeds of his word. But what repentance does is it opens up the gap. It opens up the hole in those weeds so his word can begin to be planted in your heart and planted in your spirit so you can pursue him. Repentance is the gateway for his word to actually break through in you. See, we must allow the goodness of God to draw us to a place where we, of understanding that we need him and only him. You don't need God and food. You don't need God and your TV. You don't need God and your truck. You don't need God and your money. You don't need, the list can go on and on and on. It's God is the source of my comfort. God is the source of my provision. God is the source of everything. And I'm going to do everything to pursue him because I know when I'm there, according to Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, that I will flourish in any season. But in order to do this, we have to accept the vulnerability of the cross. We have to. It's not like the paintings where Jesus is up on the cross, like kind of sad, and it's, you know, white Jesus, not Middle Eastern Jesus, you know, like blonde hair, blue eyes Jesus. It's his, his flesh was falling off him. He was humiliated. He had a crown of thorns on his head. He was naked and beaten and bruised. And he did that for you. To bear the weight of sin and shame on him. So when you look at that, you can see that as a a emblem of peace. Because that's where sin and shame was paid for for you. And for me. And you have to understand the vulnerability of that moment because when you look at that, it's going to cause you to have to be vulnerable with your sin. But what we like to do is we like to t- say we have a pornography addiction by saying I'm struggling with lust recently. We like to s- take our, our addiction to food and say, you know, I've, I've, I've been stopping at uh, fast food restaurants and eating a little bit more lately. And say, instead of saying I'm a glutton, and I need help. We have to address the sin for sin. If you want, it, when Jesus puts a spotlight on it, we have to call it what it is. We have to call it what it is. See, the disciples, they were in a storm. And... They're, they're all freaking out, and then they hear somebody call out to them, and they're like, oh, it's a ghost, right? Because that's just like the first thought that comes to everybody's mind in the middle of the ocean, right? <laughs> or sea, technically, but you, you get what I'm saying. Like, if I'm out on a boat, and there's a storm, and I hear somebody go, Tony, I'm not going to be like, ghost, right? Like, that's a little crazy. 
And, but anyways, they think it's a ghost, and Jesus is like, no, it's, just, it's Jesus, chill out, right? And then Peter, being super extra as the disciple as he was, was like, if it's really you, Jesus, call me to you. And Jesus is like, let's go. So Peter, you know, in all of his audacity, jumps out the boat. See, this is a good way to understand what repentance does for you. It gives you the ability to hop out of the boat. It's not that the boat was bad or that the the boat didn't serve a purpose. It's just that Peter looked at Jesus and knew that he was better. Where is God calling you out of because he's better? Where is God calling you out of because he's better? See, if there are seeds that are being sown that are immediately swept up, then we have to ask, are there things in my life keeping me from understanding his word? What is seen and what's unseen? Because sometimes there's habits and things in our lives that we think are okay, but they're actually the source that's keeping us away from what God was wanting to do. It may not be bad. It may be lawful, but it's not good for you. Take inventory of when you're desperate. When you're in a desperate moment, when you're broke and all your bills are due tomorrow or your life is over, who do you reach for? Do you reach for God for breakthrough? Or do you call five friends and say, hey, can I borrow this much money? Can I do this? Do you have any work available? Now, I'm not saying that they, those, might not be, those might be methods that God brings to you, but are you letting him make the way or are you making the way? See, Peter, in the middle of walking on the water, right, he sees the circumstance that's around him, the wind and the waves. He takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins to sink. See, because the seed of faith that was planted by Jesus saying, Peter, come here, was quickly withered away because it had no root. And that's why point number two, we have to dig in. We have to not only hear the word, but we have to let it dig into us and take root into us. Study it. Go over it. Be changed by it. Because the seed that bears fruit, but it withers away because it has no fruit, that is not a a seed issue. That is a us issue. That means we haven't done our job of making sure that the soil is deep enough for something to take root. So how do you do that? See, how many of us have had an experience where we felt like everything changed? You came up to the altar, you encounter God, and you're like, this is it. This is the moment that everything changes. And then 45 minutes later, you're right back to what you repented over. See, that means the word of God came in and it was good, but it withered away because, because temptation came, the trial and circumstance came, and, and it withered away. And it could be for a variety of reasons, but I, wanted to, I want to focus on two of them. One, you're not watering yourself. Romans said it's through the washing and watering of, your, of the word that you'll have the renewal of your mind. So are you washing and watering yourself with God's word? Are you making it a part of who you are? Like, and I'm not saying you need to digest 
chapters at a time, but are you sitting down with one verse a day and going, God, what does this mean? How can I apply this? How can I walk this out? How can this change me? Number two, you're not being developed. You're not being developed. That means you have nobody in your life that you can call when things get tough that can call the goodness out on you. This week, I was on the phone with my friends probably more than I have been in the last six weeks because I was in the midst of something that I, that I was asking God to do and I needed direction, I needed help, I needed accountability. I need, because there was a part of me that's like, I'm gonna chicken out and not do it. But I needed accountability, so I reached out to my people. Do you have people that like when stuff is real and raw and hard, you can call to them and say, hey, um, I know I need to make this decision. I know this is where God's leading me, but I need help. I need help. Don't be afraid to talk with someone that knows more than you. Your pride will be your downfall. Get with somebody that knows a little bit more about life than you do. It's okay. It's going to help. See, now, continuing with, with this journey of Peter, we later see Peter, you know, famously deny Jesus three times. And then the rooster crows. I saw a funny TikTok video about that the other day. I think Jason sent it to me. But, um, sorry, just random squirrel. Um, and, and, um, Peter denies Jesus three times, and then later after Jesus' resurrection, they're out fishing, and Peter sees Jesus on the shore, and he puts his coat back on, he dives in the water, swims to shore, and you know Jesus, after them not catching fish all night long, is sitting there cooking fish. I always think that's hilarious. And, um, and so they have this interaction where Jesus goes, Peter, do you love me? And keep in mind, as I'm explaining this, there are different levels of love within the Greek language. So it's not just like, I love cheeseburger, I love my wife. It's not the same thing, okay? Um, like, there's different levels of love here, all right? And, and Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's response was a step below what Jesus was saying. He goes, yes, Lord, I know, you, I know I love you. You know I love you. And Jesus' response was the same each time, then feed my sheep. And Jesus comes back, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. And then Jesus, but Peter, do you love me? And then, Jesus, er, and then Peter, being grieved that he was asked a third time, says, yes, Lord, you're the God of all the universe. You know that I love you. And then same response. Well then, feed my sheep. And then there's some more conversation, but we don't have time to get into that. Um, and in that moment, Peter was restored. There was deliverance for him. There was deliverance for him. And so this, that's the third point is we need deliverance. We need deliverance because there are things in our life that we don't have the power to overcome. See, and this can be a real churchy word, but remember, like deliverance, you, can, you think you're going to get a Benny Hinn coat slap in the face, and that's, that's not what we're talking about here. 
And so remember, this can be a churchy thing, but this, this is a word that ha- holds a lot of importance in our life. Just as Jason said a few weeks ago, there are some old bones that we need to tap into, and this is one of them. This is one of them. Jesus says that the cares of this world, going back to the parable of the sower, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the, the, the fruit of God out in our lives. How many of us have made a decision in our lives based upon how much money we were going to make? Come on, let's be proud about it. We made the decision. Right? But in that process, did we ask, him, ask God and go, God, which one's the God decision and which one's the good decision? So it's not that you don't have roots, but the weeds we have either allowed or were passed down to us through generational curses, we're now dealing with. Sometimes the generational curse of lying wasn't passed down to you, but you became a liar out of necessity. Sometimes greed wasn't passed down to you, but you just really like stuff. So you have to address these things by asking the question Jason says all the time. Do you have it or does it have you? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll be real honest. Glass house here. My father, I, I opened up with, with the story about my father. My father introduced me to a lifelong battle when I was five years old. He introduced me to something a five-year-old should never see. And I, this is something that I have carried with me since that moment. That was not a battle I chose to have in my life, but I'm the one that has to fight it. And there may be battles that you're fighting today that you did not choose to have. And it's only the power of God that can work in you and through you that can take that battle away from you but you need deliverance to get there. Remember, it's not against flesh and blood we fight against, but the powers and principalities. If that's the cause, then there are some things that can't be done by traditional means, but only done through much prayer and fasting. Fasting is a powerful tool in your tool belt that we, often, that we, we don't really use anymore. Use it. Be led by the Spirit. And I'm not just saying like cold turkey, just randomly say I'm going to go on a 30-day water fast. No, let the Spirit lead you because it's going to be the Spirit's strength that carries you through it. (coughs) We need to let God come in as the King of Kings and rule and show off His power against the enemy. It's great to have an encounter with, with Father with the Father. It's great to have an encounter with Dad. It really is. It's great to know I'm a son. It's great to know you're a daughter, but sometimes he needs to come in and say, yo, this is my, this is my place. This is my territory. I have power and authority here, not you. I'm the king of kings. 
Sometimes we need to have that encounter. We need to understand who he is and establish his authority in our lives. He's not just some friend that suggests things. He's a king that requires of you. That, that is the shift that God is making in his church. He's loved us, and he's gotten us out of orphanhood. Now he's saying, I'm the king that requires of you. He's calling his people to a place of unashamed obedience. We either get on the train or not, but we're making our decision. So today, I would like our prayer team to come up. And everybody, please stand. And listen, this is one of the the moments where I'm not going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. This This is a moment where I feel that in order to have breakthrough, we need to be honest and vulnerable. Because this church family here is not here to say, oh, look what they're dealing with. No, we're here to come alongside you and help you. We're here to come alongside and help. So whatever the struggle is, James says it. Confess to your brother. Come on. Today is the day that the thing you've been fighting for years can be broken. Today is the day that the thing you, the enemy tries to attack you with can fall. Today is the day if you allow it to be. So I'm going to pray and I, I would like you to respond. Come find somebody to pray with. Repent. Go through the steps. Repent. Ask God for, for deeper soil. Ask God to break the strongholds of generational curses in your life. Ask God to break the things that you've you've chosen in your life. Ask God to break the things that you didn't choose but are still there. Dear Heavenly Father God, right now, Lord, I pray for your people. I pray, God, not only, God, would you help them and comfort them, God, but right now you would show them the power and majesty of who you are as a king. King of kings, this is a place where you can rule and reign. And we pray that you would soften our hearts, Lord. God, get rid of the thorns and the thistles and help us be closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And one last thought. Remember, those thorns that the enemy brings in to try to choke out the good things of God. Jesus, his crown on the cross was made of thorns. The very thing that the enemy tries to use to destroy you, he made his crown to be your ruler. Just to show off, just to say, I've got it. Don't worry about it. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and his people to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com slash connect. 
For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.